Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. We have a choice with our words. We have a choice with our tongues. And how many, how many churches have been destroyed by the torpedo of the tongue? How many churches have been destroyed by the sword of the lips? You know, back in World War II, they always thought, I really, up until recently, I thought that loose lips sink ships. I thought that was just a, something somebody come up with. I didn't know it was actually a slogan in World War II for the troops. And as they were coming to port somewhere, uh, the Navy, they would have signs that said, loose lips sink ships, and they'd have the drowning man's picture on it. And what it was, there were spies around, and so when they got off the boat, they didn't want those servicemen to be telling uh, where they were going next because there were actually spies that would, that would destroy the ship, find out where they were going, and destroy the ship. But I will echo uh, what was said, loose lips do sink ships. Destroy lives. James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so the tongue's a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire, fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that, is, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Notice, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. We find that on Satan's side, he's a destroyer. God is a builder. God used methods in Jesus of building. He was patient. He saw potential. You know, carpenters, builders can see potential. They can look at a tree and see a table. They can look at some piece of wood and see the uh, finished product. And Jesus in Saul, uh, though he was a raging bull, God saw somebody in Saul of Tarsus that would write over half the New Testament when he met Jesus Christ. He's a builder. He saw potential. He uh, used patience, and he was very patient. The sandpaper of patience God used. And even in dealing uh, with, with men in Scripture, and even in your life, you can look back and see the long-suffering hand of God, the patient hand of God in your life. And, and Jesus is a builder, and so God's people ought to be on the side of builders and not destroyers. Satan's assassin or the Savior's architect, you can make your choice and we both have uh, the power that is in the tongue. In 
California, you've read about the fires and five of the top ten largest wildfires in their history was in 2020. And 2018 was the costliest fire, the Kemp Fire, uh, affected 18, over 18,000 um, uh, structures, took them away. Billions of dollars spent in California for wildfires. One specific precinct, $438 million just in operations. Just fighting, fighting a fire. And so it is, uh, I mean, the millions of acres, over a million, a complex fire, a million acres, a million 32,000 acres burn over one fire. Maybe one, one was started by a professor. Some started by lightning, some by power lines coming through. And, but really, the, the start of it doesn't matter, but the effect is the same. It destroys. And, uh, you know, we, I, I want to be somebody that gives life, not takes it. i never forget when Brother Mark Cooker was in our church and he stood up and I was sitting on the platform and I look in the balcony and I could see the balcony good at that time. My eyes weren't as bad as they are now. And everybody thinks, you know, when you get in the balcony in the church, you can kind of hide. Not so. I mean, it was perfect, just high level. I could see everything going about. Those little boys up there playing, cutting up, I could see it all, you know. And so I was looking up there, and I seen him kind of do like this, and he wasn't the kind of swaying kind of man, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't, like, that wasn't his nature. And I thought, he, something ain't right here. And all of a sudden, he fell over in the pew. I think he was... Uh, 48, something like that, in his 40s. He fell over, and uh, of course everybody, we got a lot of people in the medical field at the church, and they all jumped on him and, and started doing CPR, and I, I mean, for it was about ha at least half the service. And what'd you do, Pastor? I'd give periodic updates, and we'd just keep singing and preaching, because I figured that was better than listening to them holler and and all that, trying to keep him alive, but I want him to keep him alive, but I wanted us to carry on, not out of disrespect, just it's better if you don't hear all that. And so we just carried on, and they worked on him, and I guess they gave him, they gave him compressions. I know for at least 30 minutes they gave him compressions. They would swap people, giving him compressions. And, uh, you know, he made it from that and had absolutely no brain damage, none. It's because of life givers life givers. You know in a church like this church, this is a great church, getting ready to start a building program. Satan would love just to take one word and twist it around. And destroy everything God put on the heart of your pastor to do. It's not long ago in our church and it happens in every church. There was a lady come in and she just had gotten saved. Just got saved. Getting ready to get baptized. Start discipleship. I mean, she got saved. And um, in her, probably in 30s, early 40s, lived a rough life, but God saved her. On a Wednesday night, she walked down the aisle and got saved. And one other church service, she came in, and, and you know, I don't know how it is around here, but the, the people at Freedom, they like to pick, pick with each other. Y'all do that here. They pick with each other. Well, somebody said something, and I guess she thought it was directed to her, but it wasn't directed to her. But you know how Satan does with stuff. She had her whole family in the car now. Her lost son, his girlfriend, her brother, mama, all of them. 
And she got offended by what somebody said coming in the door. And she walked out and left, got in the car with them, and took them all home. And I thought, you know what? Who knows? I mean, I, that could have been five of them lost. Got, now they're gone. I, when my wife's been back, I've had eight people at her house in less than a ten-day period trying to trying to talk to trying to talk to her. She was obviously a young Christian, just got got offended, and and I I don't even know I don't even know if I'm sure what was said wasn't directed at her, but Satan used it. And I don't. I only have. I have less time left than I've already spent in my life. I'm 50 years old, and I have less to go than I've already come. I don't want the end of my life. I just received a text just on the way up here. wasn't really good time, and I'm preaching tonight. And I got this text, and I thought, man, if somebody that ought to be finishing better. And I thought, I don't want to finish wrong. I don't want to finish wrong. I don't want to let something that I say, that, that the way I say it, uh, stunt somebody's growth or at, at even worse, send somebody to hell or cause them to Satan to use that. I want to be, I want to be on the builder's side, not on the destroyer's side. I don't want to be the fire that destroys. What does fires do? Well, they, it destroys what it touches. And the tongue, the words that come from our mouth that are not seasoned with the Spirit of God and not, are not pressed. That's why it's so important, as your pastor said, to pray, pray, pray. Stay in an attitude, a spirit of prayer, not just because that's, that's what you're supposed to do. No, because it helps you stay in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. And when those words, and they come in everybody's mind, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It comes from the heart, but they, they circle in everybody's mind. And if you're not in tune with the Spirit of God for that day, you may be used of Satan that very moment to destroy somebody's life. How many of you right now, honestly, you are thinking about something somebody said to you 10 years, 15 years, maybe a husband, maybe a spouse, maybe somebody in your family, they said something to you 15, 20, 25 years ago, and the text I got today was over five years ago. And I thought, my goodness, how have you let this go for five years? Five years! Church, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful what we say. Fire destroys what it touches. Disables friendships. Look at verse 7 again. Verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. How does it become poisonous? It happens when you spread rumors. When you spread rumors. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, good. we're good at that sometimes. We're good at telling things that, that are not necessarily so or not, not uh, we don't have the, uh, like this, this uh, <laughs> gossip for most people is, is fun and interesting because it appeals to our, uh, uh, we want information and we want details. We got to know about it. We got to know. We want to we know. We want details. And uh, the danger is when you feed on gossip, you'll always want more. And then it spreads like poison, a deadly poison. And it reminds me of the person who was gossiping to his friend. 
and about somebody in the church. And when the friend asked a question for, he wanted some more juicy details. His friend said, man, you, gotta, you can't leave me hanging. You've got to tell me more. He says, look, I've already told you more than I know. <laughs> How many times does that happen? I mean, we're just, just saying stuff and, well, we get on a roll and we'll tell things that really, uh, to, to say the least, we're stretching it. But poison, it happens when we lie to make ourselves look good to get out of trouble. It happens by passing off unkind words just saying, I was just joking. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I guarantee you whoever said that to that young lady or said that in the presence of her, I, if they knew I bet they'd wish a million times over they wouldn't have said it. And they was just kidding. What they said was probably something they say often to each other. Just, just messing around. But it's amazing how Satan takes just words and jest and, and destroys lives. When we make light of evil, make fun of those who stand for the truth. You know, poison doesn't always kill you instantly. It spreads slow. It gets in the bloodstream. Whether fast or slow, the uncontrolled tongue is a deadly poison. And we need to be careful. How many marriages have been destroyed because of cruel speech? How many marriages have been destroyed? And, I, and you ladies, I know, you, got me, you have memories, buddy. Y'all don't forget anything. Right? Hey, I know... Y'all are not any different than people in rural hall. Y'all don't forget stuff. And I mean, something can happen on your honeymoon. You've been married 35 years, and I promise. I pro Honey, you remember? What? I don't even remember that. Of course you don't, right? Convenient. Isn't it amazing how we, how we, and it affects you. How many marriages this pastor counseled and talked to, couples he's, counseled and, and I've counseled over 27 years of ministry and talked to people and, and man they've been married 15 years since this happened but they've never got past that and it was nothing more than, than a word cruelly spoken I'll never forget my introduction to the ministry to counseling ministry one night I was assistant pastor in Mississippi and the pastor said I need to make a visit with me and I said okay he never asked me to go visit him with him before. I went door to door every day from one to four in Mississippi. You better take some clean shirts with you, let me just tell you. And I did. I'd have them hanging up. And I'd go door knocking, cold knocking, one to four every day. He said, I got a visit. I want you. Well, I thought it was a soul winning venture. I didn't know it was, like, you know, a couple in the church. So we went. And I sit down. And I'm just watching. I'm taking everything in. I thought, this is going to be good. You know, I get to watch him. And so he started talking, and, and this man, I, I never, I never forget it. I remember, I remember it was a trailer. I remember where I was sitting. I remember where he was standing, and I never, I'll never forget what he said, and I've never gotten over. It. He said, "Pastor, talk. Now what's going on? I mean, because this was an emergency kind of meeting. Now, like it's middle of the night, not not twelve a.m., but I mean, any time after six or seven. I mean, you know, it's overtime, right?" <laughs> Yeah, and so we went and uh, I'm sitting there and he said she knew better I'm listening he said she knew exactly what she was doing 
Brother Mark says, what, well, sir, what, what did she do? She knows that when she makes my tomato sandwiches that I like the tomatoes sliced thick and not thin. I, I'm telling you right now. They got in a knockdown drag out because of the tomato size. I like mine on bread, any way you want to put them on there. Just a lot of mayonnaise. Crafts are craft mayonnaise. Oh, just kidding. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? And Satan destroyed that marriage. Now, tomato sandwiches was not the only problem. But it's crazy how, how Satan does. He's looking for any... Man, if he can find a crack, he's going to step in it. He's looking for anything. Even just, just something the pastor may say, and you may not take exactly right, because you ain't in the right frame of mind. And just twist that. And then the next time you see something else, and it's all circumstantial, and the devil's just giving you some... And you, oh, well, well. Well, now, just the other day, be careful. Be very, very, very careful. It's a deadly poison. It destroys what it touches. It disables friendships. It'll destroy friendships. It divulges the truth about us. How do you figure that? Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. He said, it, it ought not be this way. You ought to be a builder. He said, but here, you've you got to deal with this because between the same mouth that has blessing has cursing, uh, you, you're still in the flesh. Until you get to heaven, you're going to battle the flesh. And still, you, until you get to heaven, you're going to battle things uh, that come to your mind that, and saying things that you shouldn't say. And, but may God help us to, to be a builder, not a destroyer. And talking about people and speaking to people, even in, in our conversation with people. Uh, don't always make it about you. Just sit down and ask a few questions and sit back. I found out if you know some questions to ask, you don't have to worry about talking. Some of y'all backwards and bashful in here, I'll give you three, four questions. You won't ever have to say anything else. Because people just talk. They like to talk. Sorry, they like to talk about themselves. <laughs> but you know, it, it divulges the truth about us. What does? Our tongue. It tells the truth on you. I have in my hand a letter, and I just, this is the first time I've looked at it. Back in 19, about 82, 1982, I would have been, let's see, I was 14, 86. Uh, I'd have been about 10 years old or so. And my dad and my, my dad and my grandpa got mad at one another. My dad was lost. My grandpa had been a deacon at the church for a while. Um, and they got mad at each other and for, for three years. And that's the only church I've ever been to was with my grandpa. Ever. He'd come get me, take me to church. So about 10 years old, or a little after, almost 11, they, they got in a fuss. It was about some kind of money, something doing. My dad was helping another man sell something, and my grandpa got mad. and Just silly. And said something to him on the phone and then hung up on him. For three years, 
They didn't talk. Father, son now. Three years. We wasn't even allowed. He, we wasn't, he lived on Burkemill Street right on the corner there. From the uh, Open Door Baptist Church. We weren't even allowed to go by the house. Like, like drive by the house. Because they thought we may see him. Three years. I was out of church. No church. For three years. Because that's the only place I'd be in. And, and he'd slip me knives. You know, th- you remember anybody remember the Thunderbird drive-in? The, 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 not the movies, but the, when they did the sale down there. Yeah. The yard set. The, what do you call it? Flea market. There we go. Anybody ever go to that flea market? Ever? Nobody up here? Well, it was a flea market in old, old uh, outside theater. And he'd get me some knife. He got me a rifleman knife shaped like a bullet. He'd send it with my, he'd confess, he'd give it to my cousins and slip it to me. Because he knew daddy, they was, I mean, they wasn't speaking. Now this is the same grandpa that had had every preacher in the history of Haynes Baptist Church come to our house to try to win my daddy to Jesus. Now for three years, he's going to risk being right or mad, saying something that he shouldn't have said, and sending his own son to hell. Three years. And, you know, I'm glad it didn't end that way. I'm glad it didn't end that way. Who is it tonight that, you, that you, you've really blown it with? Who is it? Somebody. And those words are lingering. It wasn't that bad. We justify it, don't we? Well, it wasn't as bad as they make out like it was. But if it's you, oh, I can't believe they said that. Isn't it funny how you say the same thing? To, you know, and two people say the same thing. Two people hear it different ways. And Satan will run with it. And he'll go, he'll go with it. May God help us. Everything you've said last week either assassinated somebody or brought life to somebody. It, it falls into one category. It's building or destroying. Which one was it? Words are prevalent. The average person opens their mouth seven I'm not going to make any comments about men or women here. The average person opens her mouth 700 times a day. 18,000 words thereabouts. Jesus says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, or by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Words are prevalent. They penetrate. Proverbs 12, 18, There is he that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 12, 25, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Think of a time when somebody spoke exactly what you needed at exactly the right time. It doesn't have to be that what you say destroys people. It doesn't have to be that what you say poisons people. You can build. I remember the times when somebody took me by the side or took me out and said, said just maybe, maybe a few sentences after I've just poured out to them, they may have said just a few sentences, and it's one of the most helpful days in my life. I want to be that kind of person. I can tell you the challenges of building a church are great. And I don't think Pastor would mind me saying this. Satan fights like no other time in this ministry, as he will fight when you build. I'm not giving him undue credit. I'm just stating a fact. He will fight. And boy, we're going to have to watch our words. 
You know, my grandpa later, he ended up getting out of church. But you know what? It was over. Pews and carpet. Pews and carpet. I think they wanted to get the pastor a car or do something with that. And, and he didn't like it. So he ended up going to some liberal church and got out of church. Over pews and carpet. You reckon it's worth it? No. Be careful in this building program. Be careful with your words. Be careful with your words. They can build or they can destroy. It's funny how people try to tell you what to do when they ain't really helping do it. <laughs> you ever seen that? Well, y'all should have moved them trees over here from over there. I mean, I, yeah. They was sitting back drinking an RC Cola, eating a moon pie on a stump, watching y'all. Well, the guy that comes in, you know, and everybody's painting with a three and a half, uh, you know, two and a half, three inch brush or whatever. And I can spray that with an airless sprayer in 30 minutes. Chewing his chewing gum. Standing there with his hands in his overalls. I, I tell you right now, get one of them Wagner. You can go pair of gloves and get you one of them Wagner sprays to spray it quicker than you do that. I ain't lifted a finger to do anything. <laughs> right? Our words, our words. They are prevalent. They're, they penetrate. They're perpetual. They go deep. Proverbs sixteen twenty seven: An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning you ever been on the other side of a rumor it's not good is it think about the next time we try to start one being on the other side of it's not good think about it next time wrong uses of the tongue what are the pastor gossip angry words angry man stirreth up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression lying flattery a man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Impulsive speech. Words are powerful. Here's what we need to do, and I'll close. They can be refreshing water. Proverbs 10 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. They can be like food. Proverbs 16 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Honey was a luxury uh, in a medicine in ancient Israel. When you talk kind to other people, our words become priceless and provide healing to a broken heart. They're like expensive jewelry. Proverbs 25, 11, 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. What kind of words are you giving out? In the last week, have you been a Satan's assassin or have you been the Savior's architect? The last week with your words, with your kids, you beat them down constantly, constantly breed contention with your words. They couldn't do anything right if they tried it, according to you. Your words. They go deep. I want to read you. What do we do when we messed up? Make sure our words are faith-filled words. Faith-filled words. You ought, to, you ought to be spiritual. You ought to talk spiritual. You ought to be spiritual. You ought to have words that are faith-filled. Number two, you ought to, be, you ought to be, have fortifying words. Words that build. You ought to go to the conversation saying, how can I build this person? Next time you meet with a pastor, how can I build? Next time you meet with somebody in the church, how can I build them up? When's the last time you went for the sole purpose, not to give them a piece of my mind, but to build? To build. 
And then last, our words ought to be forgiving words. I want to read you this letter. I've never read, I've never read this till tonight. I didn't even know he had it. Three years after that episode with my dad, my grandfather wrote him a letter. And my dad told me that they had it. And I said, well, I want it. And so I'm going to read it to you. Just like he wrote it. Bobby, that's my dad's name. This is from dad. I hope you will read this letter. I'm sorry for the way I talked to you and for hanging up the phone. I know you were right. And I want you to forgive me, capital underline, for all I've done. I was at the doctor two times last week. I'm going back again today. And I know I don't have long, much longer. And I don't want to die knowing that you're still mad at me. I love you all very much. Even if you don't think I do. Nobody can take away. Nobody can take away the way I feel about you. And this is not a man that writes sappy letters. Love, Dad. P.S. Come see me soon. That was October the 31st, 1985. I got saved May the 4th, 1986. I started going back to church. I went four Sundays in a row and I got saved May the 4th, 1986. Had he never wrote this letter, I can't say for sure I'd be saved. Not called to preach, not anything. I'm not anything to brag about either, but I'm just saying none of that would have happened. I wouldn't have met my wife. My dad would have never got saved. He got saved three years after I got saved. None of that would have happened. He pulled the plug out right here. The plug that was blocking the blessings of God. He pulled it out right here. And you notice when he said, I don't have long, I've been to the doctor twice, I'm going back. It was heart issues. This was 1985. You know when he died? 2010. 25 years later. My math's right. Is that right? 25 years later, and he thought he was going to die in the next week or so. I believe this with all my heart. You know why God gave him another chance? Because he did his right. Some of you could do so much good with your mouth. But you're not, you're not doing it. You're letting stuff slip that don't need to be slipping. Talking to your spouse like and some maid, some just clean up lady. That's God's gift to you, sir. You wouldn't let nobody else talk to her like that. Why are you doing it? Amen. You don't, need, you don't have any special privileges. God gave her to you. Talk to her with respect. Ladies, same goes for you. He ain't just a paycheck. Amen. It's God's gift to you. Build. You know what makes me, I said I was quitting. That's it, pre every preacher's lie right there. <laughs> you know what makes me, this does, and she's here tonight, but I'm going to say it anyway. Usually it costs me a dress or two when I say something like this. That, 
a hundred people, Brother Barker, could say, Preacher, that was good tonight. And I and and like I try to do this every time with, with both criticism and I get just as much of that as I do the other. And so Dr. Robertson said, hey, treat them both the same. When somebody says something good to you, let it go in one ear and out the other. He says, when somebody says something bad to you, let it go in one ear and out the other. Treat them both the same. And he said, you'll be okay. And so, but a hundred people would tell me that. And then I can go home and she'll say, honey, that sure was good tonight. You, you could have blowed me up as big as the Goodyear blimp. Just a few. Hey, baby, that sure was good. That's it. I can go on that for two weeks. I'm telling you. You think I'm not even, this is not evangelistically speaking. I'm telling you the truth. Ladies, think about what good. Yeah, I wish God give me somebody like this or like that. Well, won't you make it that way? Build. Build. Talk to him good. <laughs> build. Build. And we need to do it with each other. You know, we talk the worst to the people we spoke to love the most. Isn't that something? Are you Satan's assassin? Or are you the Savior's architect? Which one are you? Father.